Representative Cicilline and Lou will now come to show the harm done and the damage done to Congress and our democratic process. Mr. Cicilline. Mr. President, distinguished senators, you just heard from my colleague, Manager DeGette, how the conduct of Donald Trump dramatically increased the threats to our security and emboldened violent domestic extremists. I'd like to now turn to the harm that was caused here, inside these walls, as a result of the conduct on January 6th. The harm to us, to Congress, to those who serve our country, and to the constitutional processes as the Trump mob tried to stop the election certification process. The attack on January 6th was one of the bloodiest intrusions in the Capitol since the British invaded in the War of 1812 and burned it to the ground. And you've heard in painstaking detail that the President's mob posed an immediate and serious threat to the continuity and constitutional succession of the United States government. As the first, second, and third in line to the presidency, the Vice President, the Speaker of the House, the President Pro Tem, all together and faced a common threat in the same location. And we've seen the first and the second were purposely targeted by these attackers. These weren't idle threats. The mob, as you have heard, chanted, hang Mike Pence. The charging documents show that the rioters said they would have killed Vice President Pence and Speaker Pelosi had they found them. Dawn Bancroft and Diane Santos-Smith, two of the rioters charged in the attack, were caught on tape discussing the brutal violence that they hoped to inflict on Speaker Pelosi had she not been rushed out to safety. They said, quote, we broke into the Capitol, we got inside, we did our part, and we were looking for Nancy to shoot her in the frigging brain, but we didn't find her. End quote. Senators, simply put, this mob was trying to overthrow our government. And they came perilously close to reaching the first three people in line to the presidency. It wasn't just the vice president and the speaker. Rioters were prepared to attack any member of Congress they found. Thomas Edward Caldwell, Donovan Ray Kroll, and Jessica Marie Watkins, three militia members, were also charged for their role in the attack. They discussed trapping us inside the underground tunnels. The indictment quotes social media chatter with Caldwell, quote, all members are in the tunnel under Capitol. Seal them in. Turn on gas. All legislators are down in the tunnels, three floors down. Do like we had to do when I was in the core and start tearing out floors. Go from top to bottom, end quote. Never did any of us imagine that we or our colleagues would face mortal peril by a mob riled up by the President of the United States, the leader of the free world. But we did, all because Donald Trump could not accept his election defeat. Trump chose himself above the people, above our institutions, above our democracy, above all of you. 
You know, we've heard Trump espouse for years now this America first policy. But his true North Star isn't America's well-being. It's not country first like our dear departed colleague John McCain. No, his directive is Trump first, no matter the cost, no matter the threat to our democracy. But each and every one of us in this room must agree on one thing. We can never allow the kind of violent attack that occurred on January 6th to ever happen again in this country. In the immediate aftermath, we heard really disturbing accounts from many members of Congress about what they experienced that day. Here are some of those reactions. Following the attack, Representative Dusty Johnson expressed concerns that we had gotten to the point where so many of us had sown the seeds of anger and division. We were barricaded and there was some fear, uh, to be sure, but overwhelmingly the, the emotion that I experienced was one of anger. I just could not believe that this was happening. I could not believe that we had gotten to this point where so many of us had uh, sown these seeds of anger and of division, and uh, we had built this powder keg. And really, we were starting to see this powder keg light up, and it was, frankly, I was furious. Representative Jason Crow compared the events of this day to his time in Afghanistan as an Army Ranger, something Senator Reid knows something about. What I felt in the Capitol behind us uh, is something that I haven't felt since I was in Afghanistan as an Army Ranger. And to think that as a member of Congress in 2021 in the U.S. Capitol on the House floor uh, that I was preparing to uh, fight my way out uh, of the People's House uh, against a, a, a mob uh, is just beyond troubling. Representative Pat Fallon was humbled by his experience on January 6th and described the events as surreal as they unfolded here in the Capitol. It was something Thank that you. I just never thought, never, I just never thought I'd see this in, the, in our nation's Capitol and particularly in the, in the House chamber. It was, un, it was surreal when it was unfolding. Well, you know, in, what, what, what was interesting was the bravery and the courage of some of my fellow members. When we got to a point where the mob was banging on the doors and all that kept them from breaching that, the chamber itself was uh, the doors and then some furniture that we had moved and some Capitol Police and they needed to be augmented. And so Tony Gonzalez, a new freshman rep from Texas and Ronnie Jackson and Troy Nels and Mark Wayne Mullen stepped in <clears throat> and we broke off furniture uh, some of the hand sanitizer stations are on these big giant poles, wooden poles, and we turned them upside down, and we were ready to actually have the street fight in the House chamber. It was unbelievable. Many members that day wondered if they would ever see their families again as the rioters breached the Capitol and they were outnumbered and trapped inside. They were calling loved ones to say goodbye. Representative Dan Kildee was one of them. Listen to how he described the impact of the riot on him. I was laying on the floor, uh, trying to, you know, protect myself behind this little wall. And, you know, we all took our pins off because we, you know, we're, we're certain that if uh, this mob were to come in, that that would not be a good thing for them to quickly, easily be able to identify us as members of Congress. Uh, and I called my wife and, you know, 
it wasn't until I heard her voice that I thought, wow, you know, this is like one of those calls you hear about. While most coverage is focused on the extreme danger posed to members in the Capitol Police who were targets of this attack, there were lots of other people in the Capitol working on January 6th as well. From personal aides to floor employees, cleaning staff, food service workers, we can't forget all the people that were in harm's way that day. These employees experienced trauma, some coward hiding in places just feet, feet away from where this rabid crowd had assembled. Many were just kids, 20-somethings, who came here to work because they believed in their country and they believed in working to make it better. Others were dedicated food and service workers, all who work incredibly hard to make sure that we can come here and do our jobs. These workers are the lifeblood of the legislative branch. They deserved better. You've already heard from Speaker Pelosi's staff, the staff that was hiding under the conference table, cowering in the dark, making sure that the attackers couldn't hear them. But I'd like to share with you what some other staffers went through. Listen as two staffers recall what they experienced that day. But then we were seeing on Twitter, on our phones, and then uh, and hearing from some of the police officers on the floor that, that you know, the building had been breached. Um, you know, uh, building breached, those were two words I had never heard. That was particularly stressful, being in a room um, close to, to where things are happening and not really knowing what was happening um, and seeing it come in live uh, and getting texts from people, you know, are you okay? And truthfully, I, I didn't know what, what was happening. I heard shots fired, shots fired, shots fired, show me your hands, show me your hands. Then I did not know if they were right outside, if they were lots of people with weapons, if there were one shooter, if they had, you know, I didn't know what it looked like. I just knew that there were shots fired um, outside of the House chamber. According to reports, one Republican Senate staffer whose office was not far from the floor, quote, took a steel rod and barricaded his door as the rioters banged on his door trying to break in. The New York Times also reported that a senior black staffer was under lockdown for six hours during the insurrection, was so disturbed about these events that she quit her job. Another staffer who was on the floor of the House that day described that what happened on January 6th still echoes in his mind. Listen to him describe the moments just before this indelible image. I heard glass break. And I could see the um, the uh, the window panes on the house uh, main door start to pop, and I figured that you know obviously I knew they were at the door, and they, and they figured out a way to break the glass. And um, and the last thing I remember before I walked off the floor was uh, uh, several of the police officers had drawn their guns and had their guns trained on the door. You know clearly that was I didn't think there was anything else I could do and and I didn't want to be there for whatever was about to occur. So I got to the top of the stairs. Uh, the stairway was was pretty packed and it, right about that point, I don't know whether it was a police officer or somebody else said they're right behind us. 
run. For me, the thing that I keep thinking about, uh, and again, there's, there, there isn't a day that hasn't gone by since January 6th that at some point in the day I haven't kind of gone back and, 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 and picked at some little thing, but uh, the sound of those window panes popping, um, I, you know, I, I, I won't forget that sound. I won't forget that sound. How long will the sound of window panes breaking haunt this staffer? And he isn't alone. There are countless people who are still living with the trauma of what happened that day. This includes, by the way, another group of people who were with us in the Capitol on that day, and that's the press. They were in danger, particularly after years of being derided by President Trump as fake news. Kristen Wilson, a reporter for CNN, recently tweeted about her experience. She said, I have 14 people on my team. We were scattered everywhere. Two of them were on crutches and couldn't have run if they had to. They had to anyway. One was trapped in the House chamber and had to crawl out to hide. Four of us barricaded ourselves in a room off the Senate chamber. Every bang on the door of them trying to come through, I can still hear in my head. The janitorial and custodial staff of the Capitol, the people who day after day tend to our home away from home, were also traumatized. But we don't talk about them and the harm they suffered often enough. One janitorial worker recounted how he was so scared that he had to hide in a closet during the attack. He said, quote, I was all by myself. I didn't know what was going on, end quote. Another employee, a mother of three, said, the insurrection shattered all my sense of security at work. And an employee of the Capitol said, quote, I hope nothing else happens because these people were talking about killing us, killing federal employees, killing police. Another employee who was afraid to work on Inauguration Day said, quote, I honestly fear for my life. I've got two children at home, end quote. For many of the black and brown staff, the trauma was made worse by the many painful symbols of hate that were on full display that day. Insurrectionists waved Confederate flags and hurled the most disgusting racial slurs at dedicated capital workers. Then after all of that, these same workers, many of them people of color, were forced to clean up the mess left by mobs of white nationalists. One member of the janitorial staff reflected how terrible he felt when he had to clean up feces that had been smeared on the wall, blood of a rioter who had died, and broken glass and other objects strewn all over the floor. He said, I felt bad. I felt degraded. Let's also not forget that this violent attack happened in the middle of a global pandemic. Social distancing was impossible as we were hiding for our lives in cramped quarters for long periods of time. Since January 6th, at least seven members who hid with other members of Congress have tested positive for COVID-19. At least 38 Capitol Police officers have either tested positive or been exposed. And nearly 200 National Guard troops who were deployed to our nation's capital to provide all of us protection have tested positive. The Capitol Police and the National Guard came here to keep us safe, to serve. And they put their lives in danger. They deserved better than this. We all did. That brings me to the next arm. Now, all of us in this room made it out alive. But not everyone was so lucky. 
Three law enforcement officers tragically lost their lives as a result of the riot on January 6th. These officers, Cap Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, Capitol Police Officer Howard Liebengood, and Metropolitan Police Officer Jeffrey Smith, all honorably served to protect and defend. My colleague, Mr. Swalwell, told you about Officer Sicknick. He was a 42-year-old military veteran who dedicated his entire life to public service. On January 6th, he fought a mob of rioters as they streamed into the Capitol and ultimately lost his life protecting us. Officer Liebengood was a 15-year veteran of the Capitol Police. His father served as Sergeant at Arms here in the Senate, and Officer Liebengood followed his extraordinary example of public service. Officer Smith served for 12 years with the Metropolitan Police Department. He heeded the call of duty on January 6th by coming to stand with the Capitol Police to help secure our democracy. Earlier, my colleague, Manager Swalwell, showed you terrible videos of the police being physically abused and injured. You remember what happened to Officer Fanon and Officer Hodges of the MPD, but there were scores of other officers whose names we don't know who were also brutalized that day. Injuries to the U.S. Capitol Police and the Metropolitan Police Department include concussions, irritated lungs, serious injuries caused by repeated blows from bats, poles, and clubs. Capitol Police officers also sustained injuries that will be with them for the rest of their lives. One officer lost the tip of a right index finger. In a statement issued on January 7th, the chairman of the Capitol Police Officers Union said, and I quote, I have officers who were not issued helmets prior to the attack who have sustained brain injuries. One officer has two cracked ribs and two smashed spinal discs. One officer is going to lose his eye, and another was stabbed with a metal fence stake, end quote. In total, at least 81 members of Capitol Police and 65 members of the Metropolitan Police Department were injured during the attack on January 6th. Former Capitol Police Chief Sun described the insurrection as violent, unlike anything he'd seen in his 30-year career in law enforcement. D.C. Police Chief Robert J. Conti III, who had spoken with an officer who had been beaten and injured with a stun gun, said, quote, I've talked to officers who have done two tours in Iraq who said this was scarier to them than their time in combat, end quote. Of course, the physical violence is not the only thing that will have a lasting effect on our brave sworn officers. Trump's mob verbally denigrated their patriotism, questioned their loyalty, and yelled racial slurs. They called them traitors, Nazis, un-American, for protecting us. For example, in the next clip, a rioter wearing a hunting jacket accosts a police officer. Are you an American? Act like Listen to how the Trump mob talked to these officers. You heard that with your own ears. Fuck you! 
Effing traitor. So much for backing the blue. Just a couple more examples. They called law enforcement officers traitors. You have to wonder, who are these rioters sworn to? To whom do they believe the police owe their loyalty? To the people? To the Constitution? To our democracy? Or to Donald Trump? Even those who were not outwardly injured, the, the mental toll has been significant. Several Capitol Police officers have reportedly threatened self-harm in the days following the riot. And in one case, an officer voluntarily turned in her gun because she was afraid of what might happen. Black police officers were also met with racist vitriol. You heard lead manager Raskin reference a black police officer who weary from racialized violence that he had experienced that day saying, tears just started streaming down my face I said, what the F, man? Is this America? Is this America, lead manager Raskin asked. Is this America? What is your answer to that question? Is this okay? If not, what are we going to do about it? These people matter. These people who risk their lives for us. So I ask you respectfully to consider them the police officers, the staff of this building, when you cast your vote. These people are in deep pain because they showed up here to serve, to serve the American people, to serve their government, to serve all of us. And I ask each of you, when you cast your vote, to remember them and honor them and act in service of them as they deserve. I also want to recognize that four individuals, four insurrectionists, were who also lost their lives during the attack. These people were led here by the words and actions of an individual who made them believe that they were patriots. The loss of human life is, of course, the most consequential. But that was not the only damage wrought that day. The Trump mob also damaged this building. They defiled some of the most sacred places Statuary Hall, the Rotunda, where some of America's greatest champions, presidents, Supreme Court justices, civil rights heroes, and other defenders are honored after their death. Trump's violent mob had little respect for this place. This video shows the wreckage left 
in the Senate Parliamentarian's Office by the insurrectionists. A bust of President Zachary Taylor was smeared with what appeared to be blood. An empty picture frame, presumably robbed of its contents, was found on the floor. And videos of the insurrection captured one man stealing a framed photo, another one tearing a scroll from the wall and ripping it up and throwing those pieces on the floor. A sign paying tribute to John Lewis was also shamefully destroyed. And only a broken piece of the memorial was found on the ground next to a trash can. The photo of Mr. Lewis was gone. The damage done to this building is a stain on all of us and on the dignity of our democracy. The attack we saw had a purpose. Stop the certification. Stop our democratic process. Fortunately, they did not prevail. Newspapers across America on January 21st, the day after the inauguration, proclaimed democracy has prevailed. President Biden said that in his inauguration speech. The headline was in so many places because the world's oldest constitutional democracy and the principles underlying it had been attacked and challenged. This wasn't just an attack on the Capitol building and the dedicated people inside. It was an attack on what we were elected to preserve our democracy. This attack on our elections, on the peaceful transfer of power from one president to the next, didn't even happen during the Civil War. But it did just happen because of the cold, calculated, and conspiratorial acts of our former president, Donald J. Trump. We showed you that the insurrectionists were deliberate, that they came looking for Vice President Pence, and Speaker Pelosi ready to kill. When President Trump incited a lawless mob to attack our process, he was attacking our democracy. He was trying to become king and rule over us against the will of the people and the valid results of the election. For the first time ever in our history, a sitting president actively instigated his supporters to violently disrupt the process that provides for the peaceful transfer of power from one president to the next. Think about that for a moment. What if President Trump had been successful? What if he had succeeded in overturning the will of the people and our constitutional processes? Who among us is willing to risk that outcome by letting Trump's constitutional crimes go unanswered? The founders included impeachment in our Constitution not as a punishment, but to prevent. We have to prevent every president, today, tomorrow, or at any time in the future, from believing that this conduct is acceptable. Today, we have to stand up for our democracy and ensure we remain a country governed by the people, for the people, by telling Donald Trump, and people all across this country and all across the world that his 
crimes will not and cannot stand. The Senate will stand in recess. I ask unanimous consent the House stand in recess for 15 minutes. Without objection, without objection, the Senate will stand in recess.